Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning. Yes, Rescue Radio. There's a war for our souls, and it's going on. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God of justice, the God of truth, the God of the final verdict, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that uh, you taught us how to love, forgive, and you also talked to us about what happens when people don't forgive and unforgiveness offenses. So, Lord, today as we consider these subjects, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to understand Lord God, you said that knowing the truth sets us free. And many of us are bound in things we don't even know or understand, Uh, things that have happened to us, things that have been unfair, even from our childhood, things that have been, we've been smothered and swallowed up in, Father. So I pray today that you would unlock uh, the doors and set us free from those dark places of confusion and fear, bitterness, uh, injustices, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross. You suffered severe injustices against yourself, against the truth against the kingdom of God, against your Father's love. And yet you prevailed, Lord God, and you rose from the dead. And so love defeats all of the works of darkness. So we praise you and thank you that we have, through you, already defeated our enemy. We thank you, Lord, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy to bind, to loose, to forgive, and not to give up. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for also the awesome promise that no weapons formed against us will prosper. Those that are brought against us through the air, through the through the through our life, through our the things that we do see, say, I have to live in, Lord God, that no weapons formed against us, against our health, our safety, our traveling, or the call upon our lives, uh, the fulfillment of our lives. None of those weapons will prevail uh, for us, for our families, because you are the Lord God, and you are the one who brings forth justice. So we ask now for wisdom and counsel. We ask that you, as our, as our witness, would testify to the truth in our personal lives as to what's been going on. And we thank you for this opportunity, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. Hey, hey, hey. Well, you know, today we're going to be talking about the final verdict, and I know we all know, but we just kind of built to know this, that in the end, truth will prevail, justice will prevail, uh, you know, things will come into the light, will be, it'll, everything will be settled and established in a system of total fairness. But for now, it seems like we're in this cauldron, and we have problems. And a lot of, you know, Jerry, a lot of our, our trials, I think we're seeing that there's two main sources of trials, and probably there's more than two, obviously. But one is delay, and the other is injustices. Uh, when people go through these long-standing crimes committed against them uh, and have to withstand ongoing uh, injustices, it wears you down. It wears down your hope in God. It wears down your, your, your confidence. Um, so tell me, you got the definition of justice there by any chance? Well, yes. yes. So justice... <laughs> is basically it's the quality or the dictionary definition, which is you know, very similar to you know, how it's defined in the, in, the, in the scriptures. It's the quality of being righteous, fair, right, and true. Okay? That and, would be God, wouldn't it? <laughs> right, right. And God is a just God. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then also justice mean, means the reward or penalty as deserved. Okay. Mm-hmm. In other words, you kind of get what you got coming to you, mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. And it's it's also justice is the use of authority and power to uphold what is right, just, and lawful. For example, a, a, a president maybe makes an executive order that uh, to uphold what is right, just, and lawful. Um, so, it, or it's a decree from a righteous judge mm-hmm. uh, on the earth. Uh, and but let let's look to here. You, we live in a world you mentioned about mm-hmm. a, a very unjust world. It's I want to read from Psalm 82, uh, verses one through five, and then verse eight. It says, "God stands in the congregation of the mighty; He judges among the gods." Mm-hmm. Okay, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah, selah, which means stop and think of this. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. 
deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. Verse 5, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. We have that literally right now with all the Truly. moving of the plates and the earthquakes. And then if you, then there's a cry here in verse 8, the psalmist wrote, says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. So, yeah. so there, there's, there's a lot of, there's injustice, but then there's a plea for, for justice. bringing justice. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that in that last verse we see, Arise, O God, judge the earth. We know he is the judge of all the earth, and the judge of all the earth cannot acquit the wicked, and he cannot do wrong. Um, and it says, for you shall inherit all, the na- all nations. And that same conversation came up between Satan and Jesus in the wilderness when uh, Satan tempted Jesus to fall down and worship him and he would give him all the kingdoms. Uh, but at, from that, we can see that at this point in time, <clears throat> the main operations of earth are under the jurisdiction and disposition of the evil one. And, of course, his, he's nothing but a liar, a murderer, a thief. And so the, the uh, pronounced injustices, especially those that are attacking the, the righteous, those who belong to the kingdom of God, is, is not only common and commonplace, but is what you would actually expect. Um, so the question is, again, going back to the trials that we go through on the earth, the temptations to become discouraged, the temptations that, bring, that come through delay or, or the resistance of, of the evil one uh, against justice, make us uh, prone to becoming angry, uh, bitter, confused, discouraged. Uh, and we don't, you know, we don't understand. But, but the thing is that our nature, our divine nature is built by God, created by God. And one of the features of our divine nature is to hate injustice. Well, early in our lives, we have expectations mm-hmm. that life should be fair. You know, just the illustration of, you know, let's say two or three-year-olds, mm-hmm. and they pour some punch at a birthday party, and one gets a little more in the glass than the other, and the one says, oh, that's not fair. I should have, it should be equal. Or they try to pick the biggest cookie for themselves. I mean, we right. see that so, pretty commonly. So we, we, humanly, we cry for justice, and we, we want what's fair, and at the same time, we, we, we are selfish, we're going to be selfish, and, and take advantage of others to get what we want. So it's fair so if I get what justice, I want. Yeah. And then we're busy committing injustice at right. the same time. Well, I got to, speaking of little children and speaking of injustices, let's go to Matthew for a second. Matthew 18. Um, this is a very interesting chapter, and it really is Jesus's. The whole chapter is basically almost all red-lettered. It's about Jesus's comments on offenses, on injustices on how to treat children. And um, he starts out in chapter 18 of Matthew uh, that, you know, there was a conversation going on among the disciples that who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How did you get to that position of greatness? How do you uh, maintain that position? How do you have a, you know, what do you do to have a right to claim that position? And then Jesus hearing this discussion or at least perceiving it, um, they might've been whispering behind on the way and he didn't have privy to it except through the word of knowledge. He said, he drew a little child to him and he said, he set them in the midst and he said, truly, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like little, like become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is great in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So he's kind of stressed. We need to be trusting. We need to be innocent. We need to be uh, dependent, actually, uh, converted back to the place of dependency, which is what we were programmed by God to trust in him. But in this world, Satan teaches us to rely on no one but him, the enemy. And so we become self-sufficient. That's why we look for our our own rights. We're going to fight to maintain our cause. We're going to try to stand up for ourselves. So he's saying, except you become as a little child, but this is... In introduction to the next statement, he says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it were better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Now, we see there 
his referring back to the God of this world, uh, the prince of the power of the age, who has deliberately created this world to reflect his nature, which is offenses, injustices, crimes, uh, abominations. And, and as he hates the righteous, we become the special target of the enemy to create and set up offenses. So offenses are going to become a very commonplace, injustices, crimes, a very commonplace, everyday component in, in, in any believer's life. I don't care uh, if you're a new believer, an old time, I've been there a long time with Jesus, that there's going to be ways that Satan is going to bring, create scenarios, situations, relationships in your life where you're going to have a chance, opportunity to deal with offenses. And Jesus said, um, if you offend a child, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and to be drowned in the, in the depths of the sea. In other words, <clears throat> there is no discussion here. There is no, there's only, it's it's kind of pretty black and white. If you offend a child, and think about it, how many of us, you kind of alluded to that, Jerry, how many children uh, have been grown up, uh, smothered in offenses, um, been caused to stumble, fall, become disillusioned, lost, uh, embittered uh, by parents who didn't know what they were doing, or there were misperceptions, maybe they intended well, and we totally misperceived it. Uh, But so the thing is, what happens is, where we we live in that we grow we those things that we perceive and believe and, and feel the offenses become part of our little nature and so we we carry those things we become you know uh, defensive we become uh, distrusting um, Jesus is saying that these kind of things the the little ones the defenseless the children the widows um, those those become actually as he talks about as the chapter goes on they become the lost sheep the black sheep, the prodigal sons. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we quickly learn, and it's, it's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson for a child to learn. It's a hard lesson to an adult to learn that life on earth at the present time is not fair. Right. Why is it not fair? Is because we are in a war. Mm-hmm. War is not fair. Okay. There, no. there are innocent people that get killed yeah. in wars uh, yeah. and so forth. So, and they're pulled into a war that is started by greed, by people who want to make money, yeah. and they pull in the innocent, they use the innocent, they steal from the innocent, their lives, their health, their sons, their daughters, and so to promote a greedy gain. So we, we're born into the war. We're born into the, the war zone. And in any, if you read any great man and woman or man or woman of God, woman of God in the scriptures. And if you talk to anybody that is living a godly life, what did Paul tell Timothy? Mm-hmm. He says, all those who will live godly in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. will suffer persecution. There are uh, some of the greatest people of God yeah. that I know of uh, have suffered injustices. We, we just met a, a dear 80 year old brother yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> some, a few weeks ago that was just suffered, became actually a, a refugee mm-hmm. because of injustices against him. But God used that yeah. whole scenario. It was difficult. He forgave, and he has a wonderful, wonderful ministry in Christ Jesus yeah. today. So Cause, cause that's those, the truth, then, that... those offenses are going to come mm-hmm. if you can... If you can experience the offense without taking offense. There you go. That's the key. <clears throat> and God uses the offenses and the injustices to cause as in his magnificent love and power, all things to work together for good. Well, if we uh, can walk through it, if we can get through it with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Well, you think of, <clears throat> you, you think of, uh, <laughs> all through scripture, as I said, you find injustice of Joseph, as a young man, as a teenager, probably 16, 17, 18 years old, was unjustly accused of, mm-hmm. of, of adultery and was thrown in prison. Yeah, yeah his whole um, life was steered in a different direction. And his, and it, before that, his brothers so, were jealous, sold him into slavery, lied to their dad that mm-hmm. he had been killed, suggesting they brought a bloody garment of Joseph, suggesting that he'd been killed by a wild beast. Mm-hmm. And so... But here's the thing on Joseph, just to think about this and that all things work together for good. Satan, first of all, Joseph had the dream that he was going to be above his brothers and they bowed down to him. That was a prophetic dream. 
<clears throat> and no one understood the meaning of it. They just, the brothers just knew they didn't like it. And so it mm-hmm. kind of enhanced the aggravation, the jealousy between them. So, so God had spoken. And then Satan got to make his move. And his move was, well, we're going to take this boy out of commission. We're going to get him killed. Well, God intervened to one of the brothers who said, hey, let's just throw him in the pit. We don't want to kill him totally. Uh, and then, but that made, took Joseph off in a totally different direction that he would have never, ever gone in his life. He would have never ended up in Egypt for any reason. He'd have been the, the sweet, spoiled son of his dad who, who never amounted to anything because he never had any challenges and he was always, you know, got the, golden, the, the beautiful coat, the golden boy, never did anything. Well, this kid then was thrown into a, a horrible place of where you could say crimes, fences, injustices, and you might be there too. You're, you know, he's, Joseph isn't the only one this has happened to. But in this, dive, in this place where Satan has made a huge move against you, Look for the advantages. Look for the opportunities that God is going to use to... Now, God gets to make a move. So God makes his move through the dreams, the butler, the baker. And finally, Joseph gets promoted through the Pharaoh's dreams to, to the place of second in command. So now God is bringing forth good out of all the things that looked terrible. And it looked so terrible, but when, that he was like... He went from basically uh, the, from the pit to the... Palace to palace. the pit, pit to the palace. <clears throat> yeah. uh, but, but part of that was God. He was able to see that he was able to have perspective there mm-hmm. later on as he's the second in command in Egypt, his brothers come They're They're starving in Canaan. They come to Egypt to get food. He recognizes them. He forgives them. I'm just making mm-hmm. this long, wonderful, wonderful story. Very short. He recognized, he forgives them. He said, well, they, they're thinking he's going to kill us now because mm-hmm. he's in a position to do it. But he said, mm-hmm. it was God that sent me. He recognized that the hand of God, they, they meant for evil. Yeah, but he got... God meant it for good. Yeah. So here's a case where God is overriding and overruling the but injustice. God, but God cannot overrule an injustice if we don't cooperate with him. And that's why God votes for you. The devil votes against you and you make the decision. So Joseph was making a decision at 17, 18 years old. And most kids probably aren't thinking anything about, you know, uh, righteousness and God's will. Not to say they aren't. I'm I'm thinking there's revival coming among them, but there's many that, you know, that's just not in their education, their vocabulary or their experience. But he was in this place where he always chose to tell the truth he chose to walk in righteousness. He chose not to be bitter. Job chose, chose not to be bitter. Abraham chose to be patient and not become bitter uh, when he was tried severely uh, by the enemy who wanted to challenge God to have him kill Isaac. And, and so the thing is, we, we, we can do the same thing. You can, you know, you can become bummed. Now, what part of you is becoming bummed? Is that the Holy Spirit in you that is becoming bummed because of the bad things? Because it's not fair. It's not right. And, and do we kind of in the back of our mind believe in karma? Karma says, well, if you do good things, then good things are going to happen back to you. If you do bad things, then bad things are going to happen to you. It's that, that simple, but it's not that simple. Because a lot of times very good people do very good things and very bad things happen to them. So how do you explain that? And how do you get out of all of that mess without forgiveness? So let's go, you know, looking again into Matthew where he says, we got to talk about this. He says, Jesus says, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man through whom the offense comes. He said, this is standard uh, operating procedure on earth. There's going to be crimes. Think about it in your own life and maybe as a child. Maybe you see it happening to your own children. Maybe you see it happening to your grandchildren. Maybe you see it happening to the, the what, what about the, the poor, uh, the poor, just the poor people who um, they're ripped off, <clears throat> their life opportunities are smothered. Because they, they can't get out of the pit, they can't get off the street, they, they don't have any way to reach, the, you know, reach their goal. And yet you've got tons of people on the top end who are just drinking, draining, sucking all the life and, and, and wealth and goodness and fairness and justice out of the small, the weak, the impoverished, so that they can be greater. Now, I'm not against rich, I'm not against poor. I'm saying use your opportunity wherever you are and don't look at it as the end of all things. Don't make an, a judgment based on appearances that, well, I'm just this you know, poor little never going to make it kind of guy or these injustices are always going to be my lot, my, my cross to bear. Let's look at how God can work and is working 
all these things together for good. But this, the key is God already voted for you in this matter, but he, but he wants us to understand the gravity of being offended. And he does this. It's very interesting. We read the scripture right after um, the offense scripture. He says in verse eight, and if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than rather having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. What he's saying there is not that you need to cut your hand off and then you'll stop sinning. You know, people sometimes take this literally religiously and it makes God look like he's nuts. Okay. The offenses are going to come, but he's saying if, if um, he's talking about the gravity of committing an offense, he's saying it is so bad. It is so uh, serious that, and it's such a grave condition that it would be better if it were, you know, if, if, if your hand committed that offense to cast it off, how valuable is your hand? How, how dear is it to you? How hard would it be to part with? Uh, but he said, it's better to lose that than to go to hell. So it's more important to not savor the offense, not to stay mad. Yes, it was committed against you, or maybe you committed it. But in either case, the offense is not worth, it's not worth going to hell over. It's not worth staying mad about, you know, whether you're feeling misunderstood or judged or you were ripped off, nothing, he said, as precious as your hand is, you know, it's not worth saving, so you have to go to hell. And he's just making that as a comparison. So getting rid of the offense, getting to the root, forgiving becomes the, the critical piece in our lives before justice can ever take place, because Satan can always say to God, if you don't forgive, which, what that means is you release that person or situation from your judgment because you are the plaintiff and you can be the judge and the plaintiff in the same case, you release the case, turn the case over to God, turn the crime over to God, let God be the judge, you release that person, and then simply ask God to judge the, the spirit behind it, which is the spirit of offense or the spirit of wickedness. And, and then you are eligible for the promotion, the blessing, the justice, the restoration of justice. So we live in an atmosphere of what I would call macro and micro injustices. That does not mean that micro injustices are any less significant. Uh, You know, let's read, uh, I just want to read Isaiah 59 verse 4 and verses 14 and 15. No one calls for justice, Mm -hmm. nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Verse 14 and 15. Um, Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails. Mm -hmm. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now we see this on a national national scale, international scale. Satan is trying to keep people offended and mad. Right. But the thing is, we are deluged. If you, if you, I think you need to spend less time on the Internet. You can find conservative websites, things that, that give a lot of information about what's going on in this world, uncovering this and this reporting this is evil, 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 evil. So, yeah, there, there's, we, need to, we don't have our, need to stick our heads in the sand and, and, and not pretend, to, pretend this is not going on. But the thing is, too, you can get so overwhelmed with mm-hmm. that that you and God said this is going to be how it's going to be in the last mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. So let's OK. We, we recognize this is the atmosphere in which we work. But yet we have within all this evil, mm-hmm. within all this offense and injustice, there are all kinds of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then on the micro end, it's the personal offenses that mm-hmm. happen to us the things that are done personally to us mm-hmm. that we should not take personal. Well, here's the deal. You know, it's, there's the, there's the temptation for both the offender and the offended. They're both at risk. We're both at risk for the, for being swallowed up with bitterness, hatred, anger, uh, and the, and the innate uh, energy that we have to restore injustices, make things fair. God said in the last days, 
The godly would get more godly. The ungodly would get more ungodly. There's nothing you or I are going to be able to do to stop this because this is the move towards the Armageddon, towards the final uh, battle, the final clash between God and Satan. And the, the point for us is wh- which side are you going to end up on? Because it, it all depends on wh- wh- what we're going to do, what we're going to believe. Now, for example, going back to Matthew 18 again, um, <clears throat> he says in verse 610, he says, don't despise these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven there are angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So we see that these little ones, nothing is dropping, nothing is falling, uh, even though the child himself, himself or herself may not <clears throat> be able to stand up for themselves, have any words to say. We have not, lots of pedophilia, sexual abuse. We have all kinds of violence committed against our children, even violence that seems nonviolent, like the accosting of their lives with demonic concepts, uh, unbiblical, unscriptural, vile concepts of <clears throat> sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't even, they don't even comprehend. They're just swallowed up. They don't, unless their parents, unless their church, unless there's a way, a source, <clears throat> excuse me, for these children to be, to be taught, they won't be the Josephs of, of the coming day because they won't have got a foundation. However, he's saying that this is not going to be overlooked by God. Then he talks about, in uh, the next four or five verses, about the lost sheep. Now, that seems like an interesting piece of information he throws into Matthew 18 about the lost sheep. Why does he talk about Because why are they lost? Well, because why did the prodigal get, get upset? We don't know. Maybe the prodigal was having trouble with his older brother all along, and that's why he left. We have the many prodigals out there who are misunderstood. Nobody listens to them. They don't know why they're mad. They're probably listening to a lot of lies and don't realize them to be lies. They believe that this is the truth because they experienced this. People said this about them. These things happened to them. So it's reality to them, and they, they consider their, their experiences to be the basis of truth and the discerning of truth when, when indeed almost all of our experiences are very contrived and set up by the enemy to program us. But going back to verse 15, he says, Moreover, here we get to the nitty-gritty of the micro uh, offense. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, this is Jesus talking. This is go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. Um, now, this is something we don't recommend. We Generally, socially, people don't say, go to your brother, uh, go talk with him. They say, oh, gossip about it, you know, um, put it on a prayer chain, um, talk behind his back, um, get mad, upset, whisper, try to devi- be divisive to get the rest of the family to take your side. We don't just go to the brother and say, you know, this is between me and you. I don't need to spread this garbage around. So, but, so we're afraid. We're, we're man-fearing, people-pleasing cowards when we don't do what the Bible says. Then it says in verse 16, but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So you want to do this before you get to court. You want to do this before every last penny is demanded and all kinds of money and all kinds of pain goes into the mix. So you take two or three witnesses. It's just as Okay, we want to reconcile. God's, God's agenda here for an offense is that you be reconciled. The way we're reconciled is recognize that what was, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spirit goodness in high places. We are co- told in Second Corinthians chapter 10, take ca- captive every thought, make it subject to the obedience of Christ. And so if we are, Doing those things, we recognize that not every thought you think you thought, not every feeling you have, not every provocation that's coming your way is something that is uh, necessarily godly or true. And it's not even yours. These thoughts, Satan tempts us. The tempter gets into our mind. He has to tempt us in our souls. He has to tempt us through our mind, our will, or our emotions. That's the only way he can tempt us. Because your mind, will, and emotions, your soul, is the ultimate decision-making place, for the carnal man anyway. Not if we have spirit going on and walking in the spirit, then it's different. But in, if you're using your soul, even as a Christian, you're making, going to make a carnal decision based on emotions, based on feelings. So he says, you know, what his point, God's point here is to reconcile, to recognize, I believed a lie, I was unfair, I made a presumption, uh, forgive me for, you know, judging you 
I ask you to forgive me for, uh, I'll forgive you for judging me. It's kind of like everybody has a chance here to, to make it right, to clear the, 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 the record of the air and go forward. But again, he says, and if he refuses to tell, uh, he refuses to hear them, the witnesses, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses to, t- to hear even the church, let him to be to you a heathen and a tax collector. So the church is meant to be a place of a, like a bench, like a judge's bench in a way, a, a place of reconciliation, mediation. But nowadays, the church doesn't want anything to do with this kind of thing. They will usually sweep it under the rug, ignore it. They don't want to be sued. They don't want to go off into, you know, some, you know, embarrassing moment situation. So there is very little place where you can actually do what Matthew 18 says because your places of reconciliation are being removed because of fear. Injustices. What would you suggest, say if you have a, a parent that has a child that's really being uh, maybe bullied, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just a concept that gets really whacked out of line these days. But it, 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 say, say a, um, they have a, a, a child that's really... They're, they're, the, the child is a godly child. Mm-hmm. They're standing for what's right, mm-hmm. uh, but yet they're, they're, they're picked on, they're attacked, there's jealousy, mm-hmm. there's, there's un, a lot of unfair things. There's, there's um, ostracism, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Any, anything, any principle that you would suggest mm-hmm. that would help parents uh, help their children with this? Because you know, that's the, the role of the church is to do this mm-hmm. with pretty much everybody in the church. Mm-hmm. Well, but what look, about the parents? Okay, we have to consider in this situation, the church, you know, in the world system, the church is, if you want to call it this for now, is the underdog. We as believers mm-hmm. are the underdogs. We're the ones who are not going to get favored and promoted. There is such a thing called demonic blessing. And you can see that demonic blessing on the people who will practice and follow and agree with the lies of Satan. Like, it's okay to cheat. It's okay to lie. It's okay to, to, to uh, you know, promote yourself. It's okay to stir up hatred and jealousy against the new kid at school. You know, these kinds of things, they're believing lies. They're operating under the counsel of the liar. And Satan will, of course, bless that behavior. And so then it looks like the kid who's following God, not only is he picked on, but he's not blessed. He or she is losing the uh, credibility, the success, and people and, and the testimony because people say, "Well, who wants to be like that? All you do is get picked on there, and you don't get success, succeeded or rewarded. Um, you don't get approved of. You don't." Get, and so here's so here's the dilemma: How can my testimony be a valid testimony for any kid who's watching my life when they see that nothing I get nothing but get kicked on, kicked on, and picked on, and kicked to the curb? So. The thing is here we have to do, we have to let our, the results of the trial, the, testi- the, the testimony, we have to let that to be with the Lord. And, and with um, uh, Joseph back in prison, he, he had to give up what it looked like. He had to give up self-analyzing. He had to give up, you know, uh, looking around him and seeing other people being promoted and, and released from prison. He had to just give that up or that was going to kill him. So the, the thing I would say for any child is to keep your uh, focus on Jesus and it doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter. It matters more to God than you, actually, what is going on in your life. So don't think God isn't noticing it. If he's noticing every little child and he's saying a millstone is going to be tied around the neck of, of, the, of the offender. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, especially in the peer pressure positions in school, which are very powerful, Satan is using those to coerce and corral and intimidate and kind of like herd the kids into all into the same direction, the same mode. You know, we're all going to, you know, be okay with unisex bathrooms. We're all going to be okay with, uh, you know, boys showering in girls' bathrooms and or, uh, locker rooms. That's, that's where it's going. It's, it's to deteriorate, immoralize, degenerate, uh, discourage, uh, tear down the walls of righteousness and truth and holiness. And so for a child in, in that particular, and that's true for adults as well, to stand against the flow to take a stand, you will not, you will not be immediately rewarded or blessed or encouraged by anybody except probably the righteous who are standing with you and around you. So you are needing to be encouraged by Jesus. You can't look at how it's going for you. And, but know the bigger picture, 
that all things work together for good. Know that this is not the end. Know that the, like Jesus said to John when uh, Jesus said, you know, went to him to be baptized. John says, what? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, permit it to be so for now, for righteousness sake. Let these things be for now. For now, we have to do it like this. And that's kind of what it is for now. That doesn't mean in your heart you have to become bitter. You can become better. And so that's the key, I think, is to keep your eyes on Jesus yourself, not look for success or the commendation of the people around you who are also being deceived. And, and you know, the only hope you have in this thing is that your testimony, your righteous, quiet, you know, how does it say in Peter, they'll see by your good deeds that, mm-hmm. well, how does that, and, and they'll, uh, how does that go? Right, right. The, the wife, with the case of wife and husband, that the uh, unbelieving husband yeah. will be ministered to by the, by the godly lifestyle of the, of the wife. That's, oh, that's the that's... powerful uh, in, in its effect there. But in, in, in so there's a, there's that... a testimony in, uh, that, that comes out of that, that, you know, like the kids need to be taught that, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're standing for righteousness we want to please God more than man. We're so we're so enamored with being popular, having everybody like us. Jesus said, "Woe unto you when all men speak well of you." Mm-hmm. So, but it still it still hurts. I mean, if a if a kid or any of us mm-hmm. are are just unjustly treated, are are rejected, are lied about, <clears throat> are are cheated against. I mean, it, it's still, it still hurts. Well, it's this world hurts. There's a lot of things that hurt. We well, get, get over it. Get with it. Right. Get the, with the program. Here's it. Here he says, in for second, first Peter, beloved, uh, chapter two. I be, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, think about it. The big picture is we're just passing through this place. This is not our final home. This is not. I'm not going to build my final mansion here. Um, Stained from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you. As evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So he's saying that may they see your good works, your quiet character, your steadfast love. You're continuing to love them, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Just like Jesus hung on the cross, he says, they don't have a clue of what they've just done. Mm -hmm. They've stripped, they've plucked my beard, they've mocked me, they told me to come down off the cross. They have no idea what they're doing. And so he forgave them. He's saying by the, by your con your your conduct that you may convert them. Um, it says in in the Roman uh, you know gladiators and in the Colosseums the Christians died well. They gave a good testimony to the Lord God, um, and that caused people to take a second look at things. You know how think about it. I mean <clears throat> back in the days of Rome, when the entertainment of the day. Listen to me. The energy, we think it's bad in America. We think it's bad in, in Europe, whatever. <clears throat> and not to say it isn't, but in those days, they were actually getting their entertainment from live killings. They were watching lions rip up children and, 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 and uh, gladiators kill one another. They were watching Christians be mauled by tigers. And they were uh, you know, energized, the shedding of this blood. Can you imagine Getting your, I mean, going to a football game, and it's not a football game. It's a game where people are going to die today on the field, bloody mess, uh, with no defenses, and that's not okay. It's, it's not okay, but that's what they had uh, been reduced to in their stupefying, mummified, zombified lives where the powers and principalities that ruled over them had had so much control, they could even control these people's desires for, the, for blood. Now, this is not where we've come to yet, yet, but some have. They've shed their lives. They've given their lives. Little children's heads were cut off. This is honorable. This is amazing. This is sad, but this is incredible that God can be so strong and so present and so protective of his children that you can lose your head and yet not lose a hair off your head. No, not one hair will be lost. So God is, is totally marking this down god is totally the judge there is a day of righteousness and judgment coming we live uh as believers according to different values we live according to kingdom values correct matthew 5 6 7 8 
that you get into the Sermon on the Mount, these are the values, the principles of the kingdom of God, so contrary to the values of this world. If you look in Psalm 73, and I won't, I'll just mention it in passing you, some that may want to just check that out later, talks about, he, he said, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked in verse 3. Mm-hmm. And, and he contrasts that with verse 14, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Mm-hmm. And he says, okay, he talks about, oh, they, 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 they get what they want. They get mm-hmm. rewarded, and they seem like they're very, very blessed. And, and and it seems like that with the with the wicked in our world. We, and our we temptations envy to be envious, yeah. The oh, ones yeah. that, and, you know, we're envious because they, oh yeah, well they they're making the money, they've got the they've got the nice car, it's all going well with they've them. got all the advantages. <clears throat> yeah. They're in the best schools. Mm-hmm. They they seem to come out okay. They can cheat and be immoral and get by with it mm-hmm. and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But. Then later on, he said in verse 21, Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. He said, you know, what am I doing thinking like this? He said, um, he talks about whom have I in heaven with you. There is none upon earth that I desire besides you. And uh, he said, uh, for indeed, verse 27 those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. And it talks about, but basic, he, he gets a perspective. Right. That, that <clears throat> okay, this is only temporary. This is, this is not the final call here. Yeah. This, and, is, this is the refining process. And, and you know, in, in these, all of these situations, the bottom line is God is our portion. God is our inheritance. All they've got is the little trivial things of life, material things that grow old and wax old and rust. He says in verse 25 and 26 there again, whom have I in heaven but you? Mm-hmm. And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, right. but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What this is saying to us is that each of us as believers, we are kingdom people mm-hmm. and we are called to live while we're here on earth we're living a life that is above and beyond. We're living above and beyond our present life on earth. We're living in a spiritual <clears throat> disposition. <clears throat> we're living in a spiritual disposition, a place where um, we're not like the world. We're not of the world. Uh, and, and going back to the practical Peter in Matthew again, eighteen twenty one, he says, Peter, now he's heard all this about offenses are going to come and go to your brother and go to the church and, and then Peter asks this kind of incredible question because he's just heard all this teaching. And then Peter says, he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. We can see Peter's still kind of in a legalistic disposition. Okay, how many times? Tell me how many times. Seven, eight, 49, whatever. And, you know, and Jesus saying kind of like, Peter, you missed the whole point. It's not you know seven times or seven times a day. It's as many times as you need. He says, um, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, however many times it needs to be. If it's 490 times a day, we need to forgive them. You say, well, that's a lot. And they're not learning anything. And if I keep forgiving them and they don't learn anything and they don't change, then maybe I should stop forgiving them. Well, no, that's not your problem that they're not learning and changing. But God, Jesus then gave this very interesting parable about this king who was going to take account of his servants, settle his accounts, and this uh, starting with verse 23 of 18. And um, he called them to him. And there was this one guy who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, think about 10,000 talents of a debt. When God talks about the parable of the talents, he gives one, was it five talents, one, 10 talents maybe, and one, one talent. But nobody got 10,000 talents. So 10,000 talents is a lot of talents. Uh, in comparison. And so <clears throat> this guy had a lot of debt. I don't know if we're talking billions of dollars, but it was a lot. Um, and as he, as he was not able to pay it, his master commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and to be and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and said to his master, have patience with me and I will pay all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion. So this man's petition caused the, the master to change his mind. He released him and forgave his debt. Then that servant went out and found 
uh, his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii, which is basically a, hand, a handful of change. And he, he, he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and be, begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Same exact words and he, that, that this man had used to, to his master. And he would not, but went and threw him in prison till he should pay the whole debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers that he should pay all that was due to him. Then the final verse, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. This is a tall order, but we, it's no order at all when you realize how much God has forgiven us. We have been redeemed. We have been removed off the chopping block of death by the cross of Jesus Christ. We've been bought and paid for. We're no, no longer slaves. We're sons and daughters. We're full inheritors of the kingdom of God. Uh, and For what? Why? Why? Because God had compassion on us because we responded to God's mercy, compassion, and invitation and received it. Now, don't we, as we have been forgiven much, can't we turn around and love much? It says in the, of the adulterous woman, he was, she has been forgiven much, loves much. So when you've been forgiven a lot and you come out of this depth of, of you know, lostness beyond lostness and you realize that you have been forgiven then all we can do in, in response and in kindness is be like God to our fellow man and forgive them, which means, again, I release you from my judgment. I'm not going to hold you in judgment. I'm not going to stay mad. I'm not going to harbor this offense. Many, many people may have lost heaven, may have gone to hell because they could not get rid of the bitterness because of the lies, because of the, the comfortable feeling of staying mad at someone uh, maybe the, the offense, they don't even remember what it was anymore. Uh, that's so sad, isn't it? 20 years ago, we got mad at each other. We don't know what we're mad about, but I'm not going to go to his funeral. I'm not going to be part of anything. How, how, how is that going to work to your benefit in the kingdom of God when well, God is a just God? Well, again, we have to look to the example of Jesus. Uh, uh, in First Peter 2, 21 through uh well, 25. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And then First Peter 2:23. For when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that is on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer or bishop of your soul. You know, the story of Jesus, the earthly story of Jesus, is a story of tremendous injustices, um, yeah, attacks totally. uh, in every way, from every quarter, from Satan, mm-hmm. from the religious leaders, every kind of attack, accusation, false accusation came again. But what is Unjust. it says? Death. I talk about injust. But in, in the, in, in, was it just for him to go to the cross? It was not. He did not deserve that, did he? No. You know, he, died, he died the death of the lowest of the low criminals, a horrible, excruciating And what death. had he done? He had healed the sick. He had cleansed the lepers. He had raised dead people. He had preached the gospel of good news. He had, you know, empowered people to believe in hope. He had given them the gospel of, of hope. <clears throat> and yeah. so he was killed like a common criminal. Yeah. But, he, he says in verse First uh, Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Let's just, just pause right there. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. In 
in the midst of the injustices, mm-hmm. all the injustices, all through his three and a half year approximately earthly ministry and the injustice of his false trial, his accusation is bringing to the cross. In the midst of those injustices, God, through the cross of Christ, brought justice and justification. In other words, Mm -hmm. the love, the holiness, the justice of God were all satisfied in our behalf Mm -hmm. in the midst of those unjust acts on the cross. God was overruling all the stirring of Satan and all the evil intentions of mankind against Jesus. God, over as the righteous judge, overruled that totally. and brought judgment upon sin, brought judgment mm-hmm. upon the yeah. devil, and, and made us, brought us into the place of justification by faith in Jesus. And we say, yes, but that was Jesus. He was God, and I am just me. But then you go in Colossians, and you read in chapter 3, if then you were raised with Christ... So we're participating with Christ in this death on the cross. We're now transformed. We're new creatures in Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Um, for, for when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also shall appear with him in glory. So this is a new mindset that it's not about me. It's not about uh, the mind of this world, minding the things of this world, but setting my mind on the things which are above. He says, put off the old man, uh, put off those things, uh, the former things, anger, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Um, do not lie to one another. Uh, you know, put on the new man, which is re- created, renewed in a, co- a knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So we're being, there's a whole new thing going on here besides just, you know, getting kicked around and bullied in this world. We're being made, transformed, renewed uh, in, into the image of Christ, being made to be like him, to respond like him, to act like him. Therefore, as elect of God, holy, beloved, put on, listen to this, tender mercies, loving kindness, kindnesses, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. This is pretty straightforward. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which you were called in one body, and be thankful. So the whole new disposition of us who could take up offense, be mad, and yes, these offenses and injustices are definitely being recorded uh, in, the, in the book of heaven. God knows what they are. It's not that, okay, I just have to be this sweet little person now and I can't have any, you know, I get ripped up and ripped on and spit out and, and all this stuff is just, I've got to just take it. Because I'm godly now. No, you just be godly and let God defend you. He is the final judge. He, he will bring the final verdict. But he, you don't want to tie his hands by being mad and angry and sinning back. Because then the devil says, well, God, you don't have a right to forgive her. She's still mad. She's still, you know, unforgiving. You can't forgive her. if she. You said it yourself. You can't forgive them if they don't forgive. So this is kind of an important little piece to understand that if you want God to forgive you, it's pretty mandatory that you forgive. And God will give you the peace to know that the crime is taken care of by him. But the thing you don't want people to steal from you is your peace and your thanks and your thankfulness, your gratitude, your peace, your gratitude, your ability. You're not going to let the circumstances of your life and the crazy people who are controlled by Satan control your life. You're not going to let that happen because you're going to say, you know what? I'm dead. This isn't even about me. I'm being made to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do here? That's what I'm doing here. It's not about me defending my rights or getting offended and, and defensive because, you know, that does not work. And it goes even <clears throat> less well for Christians because there is no justice in Satan's courts. And especially if you're a believer, don't even don't even go there. Well, there are a lot of uh, you know churches that their big advocacy, their big theme is justice. We want to work for justice. So we'll work with the ALCU and. The social ACLU justice gospel, whatever it is. but it's not the social it, justice gospel that Jesus promotes. That's that's just that's just trying to fix a broken world. That's fi- not fix fixable. a broken world without truth. bringing people truth. without truth, without bringing God. people to, to people Christ. see the problem with the social gospel and everybody being fair and right and just and every get it's impossible to do. Number one, it wasn't our task. God didn't say fix the world. He said follow me. He said preach the gospel. Tell them about the other kingdom, the new kingdom, the kingdom of God that's upon this earth. Tell them about that. 
Tell them about the, the you know, uh, the eternal life. Tell them about that. And so don't be hung up on, on licking your wounds and being mad. If you have some offense against you, go to the person. If it, it goes both ways. If you know someone has something against you to go to them, and if you have something against someone, it says to go to them. In both cases, you are the one who makes the first move to go to them to resolve it. Now, you may think, well, it ain't going to work because blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, you go presenting that person with an option to also be released from judgment by forgiving them. There's another aspect of this, too. It's not that we just kind of lay down and play dead with the evil that's going on in the world. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 22, uh, Jeremiah is addressing, the prophet is addressing the son of Josiah, uh, who was coming to be king. Uh, Josiah was a godly king, uh, for the most part a very godly king. But he's saying, here's the word of, of Jeremiah, the word of God. Thus says the Lord, Jeremiah 22, 3, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. You know, that's, it's like the opposite of kind of what we're doing in our day in, in this nation. So he said, okay. And then he says in uh, comments uh, in verse regarding this king's father, Josiah, says he judged the cause of the poor and the needy. Then it was well. Was this not knowing me, says the Lord? So he's saying part of knowing the Lord is mm-hmm. bringing about deliverance. And, and, and that's the kingdom. When we say the kingdom of God come, we want the rule of God come, the mm-hmm. truth of God mm-hmm. to come and prevail against evil, the oppression. Injustice, that doesn't, right. does, does not mean that we're going to erase every injustice on the earth. But we can, by God's grace, deliver from people from o- oppression we can we can be advocates for the the widows the fatherless that get taken advantage of there's a part of that this is not just a uh, empty uh, ecumenical social gospel but mm-hmm. this is part of the kingdom of god mm-hmm. the god, real work god of says the kingdom. this yeah. is no this is what it means to know me mm-hmm. you know thy kingdom come you know yeah. jesus said when they asked him to teach them to pray he said first thing is our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is the declaration Jesus wants us to make in the midst of a very corrupt and wicked world that's run by Satan, his adversary. We're to put our foot down. We're to open our hands. We're to begin to uh, explain and um, display uh, and promote the kingdom principles of the Most High God. And those are to love, to be kind, to forgive. Um, you know, a, a soft answer turns away wrath. So many times the first reaction is to become defensive and angry, but put away that old man and walk in the spirit of God. This is a wonderful challenge. I mean, did you really expect that there'd be no offenses down here? And did, but the, the point is, these are opportunities. We don't need to take this as, uh, you know, I'm being crushed. It's not fair. I'm mad. I'm going to go home and pout. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. No, it is time to take that opportunity like Joseph did in prison, like Jesus demonstrated, like Paul talks about, um, to, be, to, be, to suffer for righteousness sake and, and let your, your good conduct uh, speak volumes. And so even as thy kingdom come, thy will be done, let us be encouraged this week and in the weeks ahead to um, just declare the will of God. One more thing, I almost forgot, and this is kind of at the end of the show here, so we'll call it a commercial. Um, On November 18th, uh, for those of you who live near Minneapolis, Minnesota, United States of America, I'm going to be doing a uh, workshop on um, uh, a case for justice, this exact thing, and recovering lost blessings. And we're going to be having that. uh, You can check the website for location state in Minnesota, but uh, check the website for for time, etc. It's free. Uh, open to the public, and we encourage you to come. It's kind of a continuation of a very, very difficult subject on suffering, uh, uh, punishment, suffering, pain, what, why Christians have to go through these kinds of things and what, how, to, how to manage or how to respond to these things. Well, we have to keep in mind 
that there is a good redemptive purpose that God has within every act of injustice against us. If we will have the, we will trust him. If we will forgive and we'll set our affections on things above Uh, Romans 8, 28, we know Mm -hmm. that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is where we're called to be. Father, thank you so much for your love your truth, the truth that sets us free. Though we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, Lord, to shine for you, yes, Lord. to live according to your kingdom values mm-hmm. in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. We thank you, Lord, that you are the righteous judge, Amen. that we don't have to take vengeance or revenge or anything like that that you keep our hearts and attitudes pure and right before you, mm-hmm. that we will trust you and that we will rest in you, and that we will be minister hope and deliverance to people in the midst as we stand for you here. Mm-hmm. Encourage us, encourage moms and dads, children, older people, all of us, Lord, in your kingdom. And as, to, we, yes, and as we stand in faith, standing and believing you to right the wrongs, that you encourage our hearts, Father God, that we will see your justice, your truth prevail in the midst of our circumstances for your glory and for our good. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us.